live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys. Hi, I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Noor Menninger. Palestinian Arabs vote, pay taxes, they get social support, medical insurance, and their children go to public schools funded by the state. But what do Israeli Arabs really think about Israel? If you ask the Arab members of parliament, the answer will be contempt. Contempt from the discrimination which they claim goes way back to the beginning of the state, from the fact that Israel is occupying territories in Judea and Samaria, and from many other reasons. Those members of Knesset serve in the Israeli parliament, but they refuse to recognize the legitimacy of the state of Israel as home to the Jewish people. But do those members of parliament represent all Israeli Arabs? In recent years, more and more Israeli Palestinians promote another voice, a voice that says, I'm an Arab and I'm Zionist. But how could those two statements coexist? Yahya Mohammed was born in Umm al-Fakhim, one of the largest Arab cities in Israel, a city which is not well known for its sympathy towards the country of which it's a part. Everything in Yahya's path led him to be like any other Umm al-Fakhim born kid, and his direction towards hatred was a clear one. But at a young age, something happened which has led him to see everything differently and to become, as he defines himself, an Israeli Arab Zionist. Since then, Yahya has devoted his life to fight anti-Israel and the BDS movement around the world as part of the Stand With Us organization. He joins 2NJB to talk about his view on life in Israel. This podcast is made in cooperation with the Jewish Journal, www.jewishjournal.com. Also in cooperation with Secret Tel Aviv, Israel's largest online social network community in English. Just look for the group on Facebook or visit them at secrettelaviv.com. Subscribe to Two Nice Jewish Boys on iTunes. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate us. And of course, we want to hear your feedback. So let us know what you think in the comments or send us a message on Facebook. How Hello. are you? Yeah, yeah. Good, good. How are you? Great. Doing pretty good. Thank Chag you Sameach. so much for joining us. Chag Sameach. Chag Sameach. Thank you for having me. So tell us, where, where do you live today? I am a Yerushalmi. I live in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Okay. Not, not East Jerusalem. No, not East Jerusalem. No, okay. I, I guess I'm not welcome there. <laughs> <laughs> so how, have you received, I mean, since you, know, you made this transition, how, how has your acceptance in the community, in the Palestinian community been? It's really like, I can, uh, there's two communities. One is like the Palestinian West Bank and stuff, uh, actually three. One Palestinian community outside of Israel, other Arabs who have never like met an Israeli before and Israeli Arabs. Uh, with the Israeli Arabs, there was some acceptance. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually like I could say 50-50 people publicly showed their support. Others sent me like private messages or were like speaking chatter with people to saying like I did the good thing. The right thing uh in the palestinian community a whole different story it's all underground i have palestinian friends who support me and like would like to follow the same steps as i do but they're afraid for their life because of the community that they live in and because of the government so to speak that they live under because mostly those friends of yours they live at the same places they were born in the villages and they or they, they frequently live in the go Bank. there or in the west bend and they're afraid that if they speak up it's it's not it, fear is like sometimes you find yourself afraid of something that could happen but in the west bank if you are pro-israel like you're going to jail that's a fact that happened uh, last uh, just recently when muslims had the Eid al-Adha we had a palestinian from Hebron 
hosted uh, a Knesset member in his house and the PA arrested him a week later and until today nobody knows where he is. So, it's a fact. You wow. speak with the Jewish people, you even host a Jew in your house or like do okay, something. Okay, but that's the territories. What about Israeli Arabs? Israeli Arabs. Do you get support messa- messages from them? I get support messages from Israeli Arabs. As I said, some are afraid, again, from their communities because not every community is open in Israel. Um, some ha- some Israeli Arabs like serve in the IDF, uh, serve in the country, so they are not afraid to to express their opinion and their support. And so you said it was fifty-fifty. Is that is that accurate? I mean, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not going to hold you to your word precisely, but is that actually? I get a lot. I get a lot of like messages, support messages from Israeli Arabs, and I get lots of public support. So I guess fifty-fifty is a pretty accurate description. That's, that's surprising. Let's go back. How would you define uh, yourself? Uh, I mean, you 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 define yourself Israeli Arab Zionist, right? Yeah. But what does that mean? It means an Arab. A citizen of the state of Israel and a Zionist and it's simple it might be simple simple to me but it might be like complicated to others I'm a person who's made who's like born into a, the a, the Jewish the only Jewish country oh I'm not I'm not Jewish and I live over here and um, and I was grown to taught like taught to hate zionism which led me to embrace zionism more and more the more i find I, the more i found uh, the more i found out about it more so uh, how were you what do you mean when you say you were taught what how did so how did that express itself my early within like my early years of growing up i had uh, uh like i grew up in an arab community and in that community Uh, people who controlled the community were not very pro-Israel and their agenda was pushed on pushed on every individual in that community uh, from schools to television to um, speaking to anybody uh, to mosques to anywhere you would go you would hear something about politics you would hear something about like uh, what like what you can hear that I remember as a kid like going to the mosque and like uh, hearing about how Al-Aqsa mosque is in danger because Uh, the Jews are digging tunnels under it and this has this ha- this lie has been like going on for generations so to speak um, you there's a festival that is held every year in Omer Fahim my hometown where the Islamic movement uh, who, that controls the town held, holds for uh, the support of Al-Aqsa Mosque again so there's a lot of conspiracies a lot of conspiracy yeah. around and so you said the uh, Muslim the Islamic movement Uh, controls Umil Fahim and you've said that before um, which is you know to people listening who aren't familiar with the geography of Israel Umil Fahim is it within the borders of Israel so technically it's under the jurisdiction of the Israeli government and I mean the fa- the idea that it would be controlled by some outside organization is um, is it's not an outside organization the, the Islamic this branch of the Islamic movement is an breed of Yeah. of this state right? sorry but not I mean, not not a governmental organization right so so could you they, tell us more about that so there's two branches of the Islamic movement the northern one and the southern one my town is controlled by the northern one uh, the head of the, the that movement is called Raid Salah is from Um al-Fahim as well um, and the branch that is controlling the town right now has been labeled as a terrorist organization because of their extreme act, uh, actions Um, they I, control the municipality they control the municipality unofficially 
Unofficially. So officially, they didn't participate officially in the elections. A, officially, they're a terrorist organization. They can't run in an election. Uh-huh. But unofficially, there's a lot of beards <laughs> in our municipality. So, so what does that look like, unofficially? Unofficially, that looks like if you step into a city, into a school, you'll see that everybody is working with everybody who's like from the same family. Uh, you'll see that people who are barely have any knowledge or any qualifications to teach uh, are teaching only because that they know the right people. Uh, you'll see mm-hmm. that people are getting taught personal opinions in schools, uh, which I find very dangerous. You'll see that there's a lot of misinformation. Um, and just rec- like a couple of days ago, one teacher in a village uh, that is like next to Omel Fahim and it falls under its jurisdiction uh, said something that the movement did not like. Uh, said something along the lines of uh, praying is not is not a must in the Islamic uh, in the Islamic uh, religion, which is again I don't want to comment on that. But the municipality fi- found it so outrageous to the point where they had fired her within the, within less than twenty four hours. So, wow. and this is typical. It's not unique to Um al Fahim, right? There are some areas that the Islamic movement is controlling. Uh, they have their presence over there. Um, and also corruption-wise. Corruption is... You see it in more in other Arab cities. And just to emphasize, also, of course, in Jewish cities, there's a lot of corruption. It's uh, In Israel, the municipality system is damaged, any way you look at it. But I would say that... I, I would like to emphasize that technically... It's uh, Umal Fahim is a city like Tel Aviv. It answers to the same law. There's police officially. There is police police force there. Yes, and they just don't abide to the law. Mm-hmm. As how how was it growing up in this city, like in this kind of an environment? I mean, what was that like? That was like uh, walking to school and seeing a, sh- a ton of swastikas. Uh, swastikas. Yes. Okay. Um, getting set, taught in, in an Israeli school by my religion teacher that Hitler did a good thing. Uh, and uh, don't know where I learned this, but unfortunately every other Arab that I know, and I think most Arabs in the Arab world would like recite and know is, uh, is this sentence is that, you know, Hitler did a good thing and he left some Jews so the world would know why he did it. And unfortunately, wow. yeah, unfortunately this is like everywhere. And it's in my community, it's in other communities, and it's everywhere. Growing up like that, you turn on the, your television in the morning and you hear about, and you watch Al Jazeera to only hear about mm-hmm. the West Bank and how the IDF uh, soldiers attacked pa- innocent Palestinians. You see pictures, you see videos, uh, you turn off the television, go read the news, or like go speak with the community to hear about how, how somebody's house is getting demolished. Uh, you leave to go to the mosque to only hear about like how Ramadan is coming and like how we should like you know just uh, support our brothers and sisters in the Islamic movement. So how did uh, what led you? I mean, how how did you grow up in this? And then what led you away from it? I mean, what was the catalyst? The short answer is I discovered potato kugel. Okay, yes. <laughs> the uh, power of potato kugel. Uh, it's a thing. It's a potato thing. kugel. I know, Ke- I know Kegel, like Jerusalem Kegel, made of noodles. No, potato kugel is, is amazing. Okay, <laughs> maybe I need to see the light. <laughs> Noodle kugel doesn't, doesn't have that effect. I Only see. potato kugel. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So growing up, I was taught all of this. Uh, I was very anti-Israel until 2011, 2012. Uh, it got into the point where like, I had to leave the community to find a job. And uh, I found myself in, in Tel Aviv. I remember this uh, very uh, vividly. I found myself in Tel Aviv one day, 6 a.m. and 6 a.m. on a bus. Just it shook me that I don't speak Hebrew. I'm 16, almost 17. I'm headed to a job that, you know, I. I wasn't there never never before uh, to work with people that I don't know and I got to the place and my manager who was a religious Jew uh, understood the situation saw that I was nervous saw that I can speak Hebrew I couldn't speak Hebrew and was very helpful uh, he wasn't fluent in English but he was he was very much trying but I'm trying to understand at this moment in time running through your head when you see this religious Jew are you thinking like evil or are you already somewhat like it's not black and white it's it's not like you see evil it's you see you feel something you know you feel okay. you be cautious uh, okay. there's an arab walking on the streets of tel aviv he doesn't see like people with horns and yeah. you know devils he sees the uh, jews and he's been taught his whole life to be to be warned of the jews yeah. the jewish people so you're a bit like cautious you're a bit nervous you're i've seen people like get on the buses to be honest and like they're tensed up Mm -hmm. they're like you know there's no need to be like you're on a bus there's like but they've been taught that this is you know these people to are, be honest yeah to be, to be honest like if you if, if you get on a bus and you see like 30 soldiers and the only sol videos of soldiers they've ever saw is like them shooting or doing mm -hmm. something you'd, then, you'd be nervous too yeah yeah so so this this religious manager sees you and you're nervous and uh he sees me i'm nervous we start working first day he helps me a lot and uh i was a very first uh, a very successful first day um i get back home thinking like okay one day down in tel aviv that's good i got it i got it covered and survived survived <laughs> survived in the big city uh, I get back and uh, this was just around this time right now, just before Sukkot. And on the very first week, I start like t going to the hotel. I can barely speak any Hebrew. Uh, barely How many years ago are we talking about? This was 2013, right. beginning okay. of 2014. Okay. Um, going back uh, for a week, like going to work and I've made Jewish friends like for the very first week. Some people who I said hello to, you know, started started opening, opening up to... Um, and then well, my first shock, as I like to call it, was whenever I finished work and I went to wait for my bus uh, only to get uh, greeted by a person who works for Chabad uh, who approaches me and asks if I put tefillin in the morning <laughs> uh, and then starts ask, telling me how important it is to shake the lulav and to do the blessings and everything. And for me, I'm like laughing, smiling. Uh, I love dedication, <laughs> and Chabad has a lot of dedication. Uh, Some would argue too much. <laughs> I'm in no position to comment. Um, but yeah, he comes to me and he starts speaking to me, and I wait for him to to finish, and I go like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry to waste your time, but I'm not Jewish." Now, not only that, there is like demonization of the Jewish people, especially the religious ones. They warn you about. Mm -hmm. uh, they've all like they've taught me that religious people smell funny i've never known like why they would teach you that but something like that was taught mm -hmm. and unfortunately like it's everywhere it's one of those lies that has uh, that has spread and i get this religious jew in front of me and i just told him that i'm not jewish and whatever he told me stayed with me until today he said that it doesn't matter if you're jewish or not what really matters is that you're a good person
Hmm. I was like, wow. Not only that I have a religious Jew, but I have a Jew who, who said that to me. Uh, and that kept me thinking the entire, the entire way back home. For two hours, I was thinking that, oh my God, what did I hear? And uh, maybe I should reconsider uh, what I was taught about Israel and about the Jewish people. Um, and from then I started opening up, um, started uh, uh, making more friends. Actually, my best friend was the Mashkiach Kashrut in the hotel. Uh, and uh, yeah, started making more, more, more and more Jewish friends, started under understanding that there's two sides to the story uh, that, you know, uh, started realizing that Jews aren't digging up under Al-Aqsa Mosque. Mm -hmm. It's just a lie that they use to galvanize the crowds. And they don't smell so bad. No. <laughs> and so so even smell good. <laughs> Some. And uh, so when does the, uh, I'm, I'm like, the, the, the tensions building up, when does the uh, potato kugel come in? Oh, potato kugel. <laughs> uh, there is no potato kugel, I'll just tell you that. It's just <laughs> a lie. Yeah, okay. sorry. Oh, okay, I was waiting for it. Yeah, it's so a metaphor. You I didn't get that, it. I, was, I, was, I thought the Chabad guy threw potato kugel at you or something. Oh, no, no. I was like, why would that make him? No, no. Uh, <laughs> so the surprise was in 2014. Uh, June, just before Protective Edge started, um, I turned on the television. It was in my day off. I would just wake up and go to the living room and I turn on the television only to see the news about the three kids who were kidnapped. Iyal Gilad and Neftali. May their memory be a blessing. Um, and I get overwhelmed with, with emotions because at that time, I already got almost out of the town every day i go to tel aviv i have jewish friends i understand the situation better now i just want to explain that those three were kidnapped by hamas and murdered brutally and this was the event that um well pushed us towards war with gaza the last round of war with gaza uh yeah uh at this point we didn't know that they were deceased um i saw it on the news that they were uh kidnapped uh, everybody was looking for them um, so that made me think because they were the same age as me back then and the same age as my friends in the hotel and Hamas is nothing new to me. It's, I've heard about it. I know that they don't follow the rules. I said to myself, like, you know, this is wrong and somebody has to stand up and do something about it. Like somebody has to stand up and condemn this. Um, and I s turned to social media to find like something to do. And I found a campaign called bring back our boys. Uh, and the way to participate is you take a picture uh, of the flag of your country and a piece of paper that says bring back our boys to show solidarity. And I did. I took a picture with an Israeli flag and uh, the piece of paper and I sent it to the campaign page. Um, and I went to see my grandmother. Uh, two hours later, I get a phone call from somebody and telling me to check my phone because that photo just went viral on local Arab like news pages, uh, Jewish news pages. Um, everybody was sharing it. There was like good support, uh, bad, uh, uh, bad, like, uh, bad, uh, talkbacks. Um, mm. like, uh, comments, people, on comments yes, comments. Sorry. News. English escaped me for a second. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Uh, so how did you, how did your family react? Wait, wait, wait. But then, but then there's a climax to that story, right? I mean, w w weren't you in, in immediate danger? I was, I was. Uh, I, I opened like Facebook to see like the comments. They were like gruesome. Uh, some comments were like, where is his house? I want to go and shoot him. 
Um, I want to hook you to my pickup truck and drag you until you die. Uh, very, very That's surreal comments. Very specific. Very, very, yeah, they get details. Uh, some comments that I cannot mention over here, but right. yeah. Um, so what did you do? I went to the police. I went to the police and on my way to the station, I kept asking myself one simple thing is like, what did I do wrong? Here I am, this teenager, go to the police station because I posted a photo uh, of a selfie. That's what I told the guard. He was like, why are you here? I, like, I posted a selfie. <laughs> and then what happened? He let me in. <laughs> no, but what did the, poli- uh, the, poli- the police evacuated uh, you or what? So it was very, uh, very uh, tough time. I don't know. Uh, I guess like the, there is no manual. There is no procedure. There is no protocol to having Zionist Arabs distracted from their hometowns. Yeah. Uh, no helicopter. No waited. helicopter. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, believe me. If you need to evacuate somebody from there, you need a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> um, So, yeah, they were helpful. Uh, six people were arrested, uh, four from my town and two from East Jerusalem. Who for were, the like, comments. For the, only for the comments from one page. I didn't, like, want to make it, uh, like, extended for too, uh, for, like, too, ma- to too many pages because it's just going to be too, much, too many people. That's mm-hmm. going to piss off a lot of families and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I had to quit my job back then. I couldn't just walk in on the street. It was just a foreign idea that I would never even think of. Um, so how did I mean they they you went under the protection of the police or I mean what there happened was no that protection point? there was no protection there was support people from the Jewish community who were like I've, I've built like bridges with who offered me to go into like their houses uh-huh. uh, to hide uh, did you stay in Omel Fakhim I stayed in Omel Fakhim for only like one reason is that like the people there are like literally like it's, it's they feed on fear like You show a bit of fear, like they're going to come back for more. And just until like the beginning of this year, I was in Omer Fakhim until then. Uh, yeah. So like, how did your family react to this? My family, uh, it's always complicated when you ask an Arab about family. Uh, Why? I have a whole tribe. Yes. No, yeah. but your parents. Parents, yeah, stuff. Sisters, uh, brothers. So I'm, I only have one sibling and I live with my mother and, uh, and my sibling. Um, My mother was supportive at first, but again, which mother like would encourage her son to like get himself in danger? Mm-hmm. Uh, sister was like under a massive amount of pressures because the in Arab culture, like they start to attack in the honor of the family, which is something big. Um, uncles, uh, they were surprised. People started calling me saying like, is that you? Is it photoshopped? How could you, how could this be? They were in shock first. Uh, but then like people called and they were like, you know, we support you. You did the right thing. Uh, not every Arab supports Hamas. Not every Arab supports violence. And, uh, but not every Arab has also the courage to stand up to them like you did. So, I mean, it's gotta be a conflict because on one hand, yeah, maybe you don't support, but on the other hand, you're not willing to put your throat out, you know, your neck out. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, you, you gotta pay like a very hefty price if you do so. Like, again, we're speaking about an action that you do that will literally like hit delete on your social life not mm-hmm. only social life like you get yourself in an awkward situation where like you know you're just stuck between two worlds where like you know you're 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 like a zionist uh arab who celebrates Hagim but can't go into shul and like you know just get into this like uh, uh middle zone uh and you're afraid that the arab community won't accept you because like you're more like supporting of the Jewish community and sometimes like you're afraid that the Jewish community won't accept you 
mm-hmm. because you came from the Arab community. It's always like complicated. You even create a middle a middle ground for the middle ground, which is Israeli Arabs in the first place. Um, so yeah, it's a bit complicated. And there's this identity crisis. It's I, it's it's stuck in the middle, as they say. Like in yeah. Israel, we're like considered Arab. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of Israel, we are uh, Israelis. We're treated as Israelis. Um, me myself, I'm banned from most Arab countries because I hold the passport. And uh, even Palestinians outside of the borders uh, have contempt against Israeli Arabs, right? Um, outside the borders, of like in the territories, Arab Palestinians don't look so positively on Israeli Arabs, or so I heard. We yeah, we we suffer from criticism, uh, from racism, uh, from them. Uh, I don't know what's the motive behind it. I would lie if I said I would. I know. It's just that like we are more westernized because we live in Israel because we 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 uh, we mix with the Jewish people, which is a Western culture. So more communities here in Israel are westernized, so to speak. Yeah, uh, they have Western values. Uh, the West Bank, on the other hand, is something of a gray, very gray color. Um, so, yeah, we. Uh, they call us like the, you know, shamanet, the Israeli yogurt. Yeah. They call us Aravea shamanet. Cream. Cream. Like, crop, yeah, yeah. Like a crop luxury, Arabs. luxury, like yogurt Arab because like they view us as like, you know, spoiled Arabs because because of where we live and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But again, you get you get people who uh, who uh, uh, are supported in the Palestinian community, like uh our representatives, so to speak, in the Knesset are very well supported in the Palestinian community in the West Bank because more or less they represent them more than they represent And who me. represents you in the Knesset? Uh, I wouldn't from the go. Arab? From there, I wouldn't go into... Uh, I can't, like, discuss. Uh, okay, yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, break for a song because, Yahya, every once in a while we try to bring some Israeli musicians who do music in English because we have so many talented musicians who do such great music in English. And today we have Folly Tree, which is a very nice indie band. They just released their debut album a few months ago. And this is Round the Fire.
amusement park And if you'll stand just far enough You're able to enjoy the spark And there you want me when you sit Don't stand too close and be aware That if you do, you'll smell the sweat And see its costumes that they wear That was Folly Tree. Check them out um, on Bandcamp. They have a Facebook page, and uh, it's amazing. The soloist is Alex Moshe. And thank you for letting us play your music. So we're back here with Yahya. And I wanted to ask you, because, okay, we get it. The Palestinian side of the story is has its flaws here in Israel. But I wonder, in your perspective, what do you think should change about the, Israeli, the Jewish-Israeli mentality towards Palestinians for us to, to, to have a future together? Toward Palestinians? Yes. Just Palestinians or also like Israeli Arabs? Or Israeli Arabs. Okay. Uh, well, first and foremost, there should be more tolerance, um, less generalization because... From my story, if I went to the uh, to work in the hotel and I was generalized into the group of Arabs who just came from Um Fahim, then what do you think would happen? I would just like shut off uh, if, if, the, if like the individuals were like mean to me because of where I come from and because I'm Arab. That is the perfect image that Al Jazeera like transmits 24-7. It's a bad Jew, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So more tolerance breaks the myth. So uh, like like the saying goes. Uh, more tolerance I'm seeing as well from the from the Israeli community uh, but more is needed towards peace um, also to understand just like you said that not every Arab supports Hamas but not every Arab is willing to speak up that also should under be understood within like all of Israel because again speaking up is is something that's different uh, that is very public that is very life-threatening Um, you get Arabs who serve in the IDF and like, you know, n- not, not everybody would know, but this is very, uh, very public. Why? Uh, yeah. So how, how do you see the conflict? I mean, you know, on both sides, there need change needs to happen, but wh- how do you see this conflict ending or do you see an end of the conflict? Um, I, I believe like there is a road to mm-hmm. the end. It's like one of those long it's it's a very long road you can't really see the end but you can yeah. see the road and you can see the trail and just follow it uh anybody who would give you a, a solution to this um i don't know what to say uh, i don't think it will work a solution there's only like the next step so it's not a matter of you know one thing that we can do right now that will change everything and make all all things Wait. better it's just about looking to to make the next right step it's it's we live in uh in the middle east where like you make a step and the whole entire region just shifts and changes and mm-hmm. like one arab king just changes his minds and like all oh, you got like a rogue arab state that is like going against its brothers hence qatar you know uh <laughs> so um so you really don't know you can't just like make 
uh, uh, make a statement and just go for it mm-hmm. because we live in a, so to speak, a political fluid area. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of uh, change that is happening. But the most sensitive, I think, um, part of the discussion is the situation in Gaza. I mean, you go around the world and talk about anti-BDS movement, uh, like fighting the BDS, and we'll talk about your tour in a second. But I guess the, the strongest uh, problem you may face when talking to people is to explain Gaza and of course those are also you know Israeli ha- Arabs have family there so how do you see that and how do you explain that to people 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 I, uh, I uh, this reminds me of like whenever I was in South Africa with the, with the stand with us delegation uh, this year uh, for Israel Awareness Week as I like to call it uh, lots of Muslims uh, from the student Muslim Student Association came up and asked this question like why is this happening in Gaza why is Israel killing civilians and I said to them like and it's unfortunate really like rips my heart out of my chest to see like pictures of Gaza to see civilians getting hurt that is not the true face of Israel though uh, we are protecting our people we are forced we're put in a situation where we have to re- retaliate where Hamas has been like using the same site over and over and over to launch rockets we were begging for a response now people who live like in america and who live like let's say anywhere in the world they would not accept a single rocket flying into their country and landing in their country on their soil why is it acceptable for israel why are we the only country in the world where we're not allowed to to retaliate yes we try to avoid civilian casualties but whenever you get a terrorist organization a terrorist organization it's just not a label it's 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 a label for something something specific they don't follow the rules they are do they do whatever they like that's what makes them a rogue they 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 don't follow the the laws so they work from civilian areas but they were elected um to the gazan um government or whatever you you would call that and they still rule there and it doesn't seem to change anytime soon there are a million people there and the Hama- and you're talking about the operation it was already more than three years ago since then it's been it's been you know relatively quiet they've been trying to hold their shit together as they say in uh, French and so It's very hard it's very hard I think to explain the situation as of now where people were there's as, as of now as of now every day the Palestinians are suffering I'll tell you this as of now our our future the Israeli future is connected to the Palestinians so whatever happens to them to them is affects our future it doesn't have to be that Hamas has to dig, to dig like tunnels into Israeli uh, soil. And has to like fire rockets whatever they do to the Palestinian people is also like our responsibility we have to stop it as humans you look at the pictures and what's going on and in, in, in like in the, in the Gaza Strip people who have no electricity because Hamas just decides to spend millions and millions on death tunnels and millions on paying their leaders you can't just turn your back on that you know You can't turn your back on that yeah but to go back to what you said it's hard to see a next step in this in that in that arena because I mean what do you do other than it's, you know, a, death you, tra- it's a death trap for us either way either way it seems it's a dilemma that we're trying not to get dragged into that's a more optimistic way of saying <laughs> <Yeah>. death trap <laughs> I guess death trap is a little bit pessimistic yes uh, <laughs> it's a dilemma that because it was created because the political scene for the Palestinians is a bit 
uh, unstable where um, uh, their government, the Palestinian Authority, refuses to hold election over and over and over. They've, and they've been ruling for 11 plus years for now. And uh, Mahmoud Abbas, <laughs> uh, who's like in his 80s now, who's still ruling, um, doesn't see eye to eye always with Hamas. And Why is there such hatred between Hamas and, and the territories? Let's say you have a bakery and you have a bakery. And you're on the same street. I would burn his bakery now. <laughs> <laughs> Good. It's business. It's business. It's, bi- it's, it's nothing personal, no. It's just It's business. nothing personal. <laughs> so it's about money. It's about money. Whoever has, whoever who can rule. So let's say there was no Hamas, like in the Gaza Strip. All the, all the money that is going into Gaza will be pouring into Mahmoud Abbas's pocket. I see. You see? So how is it that, that this type of leadership takes control i mean i mean you know in the gaza strip it's by force uh, the hamas you know had a coup and they took over but i mean how is it that the palestinians in the west bank for example are letting themselves be and i don't know if they're letting themselves maybe it's also in a way by force but how is it that the leadership isn't how is it that people aren't saying what is going on here the leadership is taking all of our money we're not getting anything let's change this let's say you did say that yeah you would be in jail the next day no the friend that i mentioned yes you will be in jail and the friend that i mentioned in earlier was one of the advocates of that and that's also one of the reasons why they want him to 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 be quiet recently there was a video that surfaced uh showing uh the son of hamas speaking at the un uh Mm -hmm. Uh, human the, rights the green prince ah, green prince yeah green prince yes yeah uh so uh he spoke and uh you can see that he's calling out the palestinian delegation on what they're doing and the faces that the palestinian delegation had is never never i've never seen before because nobody has called them out mm-hmm. nobody calls them out they were shocked they were shocked is an understatement uh no nobody calls them out even even like scandals uh for stuff in the west bank could lead you to be killed mm-hmm. you don't even have to touch politics mm-hmm. just to get like scandals if you mess around with the with the wrong people it's like, like a season of narcos it's basically. to be on to be <laughs> honest uh, quoting quoting a palestinian friend whose father works like for for the palestinian authority it's one big mafia so we've had on uh, on the show also Jonathan El-Khouli, which isn't you know exactly the same, but he's from Lebanon and he also is an Israeli Arab who speaks out against. And there's other Israeli Arabs you hear about that are doing the same thing. Maybe this is the solution. Is this community of Israeli Arabs, even Isra- even Palestinians, uh, growing? Is it? Uh... It's definitely growing, and I'll tell you why. I was born alongside. Uh, uh, my generation to uh, an Israel like a country that is green, country that is that is that is peaceful, mm-hmm. so to speak, in our standards. Uh, I didn't see the Six Day War. I didn't see the Independence War. Didn't see. Yeah. I didn't live like during the the curfews that were going on and stuff like that. Again, Israel back then is very different from Israel today. Mm-hmm. And today we're growing up. We're like in an age where you can look up your own information. You look around you can connect with people uh it's really easy to connect with people nowadays and people can look up their own facts um uh, mm-hmm. some do others just watch ag plus 
Um, Which is? Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera. But they stand for minorities, not the ones in Qatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, I sense some cynicism there. Yeah, just yeah. to just put it in perspective, sorry to go off course. Uh, a Qatari queen was shot by her husband and in, her, in, in their house for posting a picture of him with his chest uh, hair. And she was shot. And uh, it just uh, wasn't on the radar of Al Jazeera or not anybody. Well, it's it's a f- it's fake news. Oh yeah, it's fake news. <laughs> we got a royal blood that just went missing. <laughs> and okay, so the community is growing. The communities growing. are growing because it's it's we're realizing like more and more Arabs are realizing that whatever we're being taught about Israel isn't like quite true because now stand with us, uh, the organization that I work for is like reaching out to uh, reaching out to the Arab community. Uh, IDF uh, foreign ministry prime minister uh, who has an Arabic uh, spokesperson the first prime minister to have an Arabic spokesperson is Benjamin Netanyahu um, they're also all it's re- worth mentioning that Netanyahu has passed a program to invest uh, hundreds of millions of shekels into is into Israeli Arab uh, cities and villages in the next few years my city has seen quite a development and I can guarantee you that like back in the day like three four years ago I the town was very hard to live in there's no public transportation it's all uphills you have to own a car uh, we recently just got a central bus station buses inside the city um, we got seven malls inside the city it's a well-developed city like economically but we needed the infrastructure mm-hmm. who's really holding this infrastructure is the municipality because it's pl- it's playing in their role like it uh, to, to, to have the city uh, Playing in their favor. In their favor, uh, not to have the city, not to have a good infrastructure in the city because they can simply play, blame Israel. Mm-hmm. It's uh, easier to, to control the minds of people who are, who are more concerned with day-to-day right. issues. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's easier to control people who uh, go up to work at 4 a.m. in the morning and <laughs> get back at like yeah. 8. You just have no power to resist. Yes. You want to sleep. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, tell us about Stand With Us a little bit. What's the agenda of this organization? Uh, Stand With Us has a very uh, clear mission, is to educate. Educate. Mm-hmm. We uh, believe that education is the road to peace. Uh, we're a non-profit NGO, apolitical. Uh, we have offices across the U.S. Uh, our international office is in Jerusalem. Uh, we call it the Education Center because we have uh, a center where we give presentations. Uh, more than 20,000 people each year uh, go uh, come to our center and go through our programs uh, from birthright, uh, Masa, etc., etc. Um, and uh, we are on almost every U.S. campus and high school uh, in the U.S. And that's a tough battleground. U.S. campuses. U.S. campuses are becoming a, quite a challenge, uh, which is a, what I'm about, I'm about to experience very soon. You're going to yeah. So tell you're going on tour right now in the states in Canada. Like tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm going on a tour now with Stand with us. It's uh, um, almost my last tour before I leave the organization to join the IDF. Um, I am going to speak to communities, synagogues. Uh, 
campuses, everything really, to be, to be honest. It's for two months and eight days of constant traveling, constant presentations, constant spreading of, of, of the true image of Israel. Like Elvis, you, also, like, only, <laughs> only not. <laughs> only not, <laughs> yeah. Wait, so, so have you been on uh, campuses, on university campuses in the United States? I, not in the U.S., but I've been on a very interesting campus in Johannesburg, South Africa. That was oh. a very interesting campus where... Uh, I just needed uh, security, so to speak. South Africa, the nation that teaches the world about how to not be racist. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Legitimately. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, people there are absolutely amazing. Not a single person that I've spoken to in South Africa was mean to me, uh, except when I stepped a foot into that campus and they realized that I'm Arab and Israeli and pro-Israel. Oh, no. So, yeah. Uh, the whole narrative of the BDS over there uh, was that Israel is killing Arabs. Israel is, com is committing ethnic cleansing. But what I really like about South Africans is that they can really pick up on a very bad regime, like a very bad system. And I guess they would come to us and say, like, you know, they're saying that there is ethnic cleansing. Tell us what uh -huh. you think. And then we tell them about how the numbers of Palestinians have doubled, tripled within the last uh years and how israeli arabs are growing uh the communities are growing and how like whatever whatever is being taught on the other side is there's no basis of facts to it and they can instantly pick up whenever you start talking about hamas and how they terrorize people and how how the west bank is controlled by the pa and they run whatever they want in it and they really do realize that those sides aren't the right sides to support so how do they react they reacted very positively to whatever we were saying. We had, really? we had materials. This is what Stand With Us, where Stand With Us shines, is we have booklets, materials, very compact, very informative uh, materials where you can, uh, like, we'll give them maps to understand. Uh, what I really, like, understood from, especially from that trip, is whenever we speak about Israel, we just show the tiny, tiny, uh, Israel, but we zoom it in all the way, and you see Israel in, in looks huge. Yeah, huge, and you see the Gaza Strip, which is like very, very tiny. But you have to zoom out because that's not the full picture. So once you zoom out, we had a picture of the entire Middle East and all the Arab countries and Israel, and then you understand that it's not Israel, it's Israel, tiny, tiny, very tiny Israel. Uh, so you understand that we're a small country surrounded by enemies. Not only that, we have. Uh, rockets flying into 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 our cities. Yeah. Uh, it's a very tough neighborhood to be to be to be living in. And so, I, so you've dealt with this kind of uh, 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 backlash f from you know the BDS movement on on campuses. So you're prepared for I what's can, coming your way I, in the I US. Can, I can guarantee you that the BDS uh, is just an anti-Semitic, very hatred uh, filled with hatred, like. The people over there are not, they're not even, they don't have an interest in the Palestinian society. Mm -hmm. um, 3,400 uh, Palestinians were uh, killed in the Syrian civil war. 400 are unaccounted for or in prisons. They don't know this number mm -hmm. because they don't care. Because whenever you go on a campus, you only hear about protective edge and how many Palestinians were, were, were injured or like uh, killed. You hear about how many babies and you hear about all of this, but you don't hear about Syria. This mm -hmm. should be a red sign. This is a double standard, which is one of our uh, one of our uh, uh, one of the one of the 
triple Ds for like the de uh, delegitimization, double standard, and and I think I've heard of this delegitimization. Delegitimization. And, and double damn it! I hate anti-Semitic. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> this is it. Demonization, uh, uh, double standards, and uh, delegitimization. Delegitimization. Okay. So the double standards here is 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 an indicator for uh, anti-Semitism. Right. There, like whenever in Israel, whenever Israel is like protecting, we're protecting ourselves. Like we're in, we're in doing wrong. But whenever Palestinians are getting killed in Syria, like nobody cares. Um, yeah. The, also, the Palestinians have no idea what the BDS is. <laughs> no idea. That's ironic. Not even the slightest idea what BDS is. Uh, I filmed a video with a friend of mine going uh, to uh, one Palestinian city and going like asking to the residents. Do you think a boycott to to the Israeli economic uh, system would help you? And they're like, no. <laughs> Why would you do that? We use the same like system. <laughs> yeah, it's the same big economy. It's like when the Soda Stream was uh, moved out of the West Bank because of uh, protests against the fact that there it's an Israeli company in the West Bank, and then they eventually did move. And how many jobs? A thousand jobs. Hundreds were of lost jobs were lost for Palestinians. Eight eight hundred Palestinians were lost their job. And whatever people overlooked is that it's not only eight hundred Palestinians. In the Arab culture, only the man works. Hmm. So we're not only speaking about 800 Palestinians, we're 800. speaking about 800 families that yeah. just lost their income. Mm -hmm. Because this was made in a, in a, I don't know, what do you want to call it, land. But that yeah. doesn't interest uh, our intellectual enemies, uh, those facts, because they see it as collateral damage. And the cause, th as they see it, is more, you know, you try to tell them that, that, that those things... They, they don't even mind about it. They don't mind, yes, but you can expose them and, so, and show the True. people that they don't mind. But, Yahya, back to you. What do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> Amongst being a soldier and spokesman, but in the end of the day, where do you see yourself in like to 20 be, or 30 years To be honest, my, I've made plans like one year ago. They've changed. I have plans <laughs> this year. They've changed. For right now, I'm taking it step by step. I see. Next step is IDF, uh, basic training, then advanced training. Uh, yeah. Uh, so maybe the head of the IDF, uh, we'll commander see. in chief. <laughs> we'll see. That will take 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I'm taking it step by step. Uh, I'm going to go to the IDF serve uh, as a combat soldier and uh, then I'll go to IDC to study and uh, from there we'll see what we what we will do. Step by step seems to be a theme. It is, you. it is. That's in good. The, in the Middle East, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we go, uh, we have two collaborations. One is with the Jewish Journal of Los Angeles, which is a Jewish uh, website and a news weekly newspaper in English uh, with lots of interesting articles. And the second one is Secret Tel Aviv, which is 160, maybe even 170,000 by now. I'm not sure. Strong member group um, on Facebook, which has great recommendations for restaurants, for events, for, you know, just funny memes. Yeah, they also have a website. And uh, that, that's basically it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for coming. It oh, was thank you for having me. Amazing. Thank you. I mean, thank you for what you're doing. And good luck in your tour in the States. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Bye, guys.